Who's sitting next to somebody good looking? Put your hand up if you are. My wife's looking around. She says, no one's sitting next to me, so no one can put their hand up. Uh, it's great to have you here this morning. Let me just, again, let me just read the scripture again. It says this, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Have this confidence and peace that no matter what you're going through, that if you're in him, that God is in control of your situation. And I want to just today encourage you in that. We've got school holidays and there's quite a few people away today. Pastor Charles and April are away. They'll be back uh, on Tuesday and they're getting ready to go to Hope Tour. And so I decided every school holidays that happens, I try to get them to go away to have a break. How many of you know that's important? And we have some of our families away on school holidays. But um, they'll be back in about a week. Now, we're going to dismiss our children's church. And I think this morning is a pyjama theme. So if you look at Marie and you're going, why is Marie wearing her dressing gown? Uh, that's because that's how she dresses. That's what I've been told by Dale. Is that right? But there's a bit of a, a pyjama theme on with the kids. So why don't you give them all a big, big hand as they go this morning. That's not a hand, people. Come on. If you're going to encourage somebody, encourage them. That's great. Now, one of the dangers in, in church life is when you've got comfortable seats. Who's sitting on a comfortable seat? And the air conditioning is really nice. Actually, I think it's a bit warm. Uh, we can get a little bit melancholy. Uh, so I want you to make sure this morning that you stay awake. Is that all right? If you see uh, the person next to you uh, start to nod off, you know, it might be because they're agreeing with me. I do find myself in congregations where everybody's always agreeing with me because they're always going like this. But if you do see a person doing that, just give them a little nudge and say, come on now, stay awake. Is that all right? And if we can control that air conditioning, I think we might need to just maybe turn it off. Who's hot? All the men put their hands up. All the now we're freezing. And uh, now that's great. Hey, I just want to give you some quick thoughts. And if we can have those back doors shut too, that would be great. Just some things just to keep you in touch. Um, we, we have about 110 churches uh, in our apostolic network or denomination, we belong to the Apostolic Churches of Australia. Uh, it's, very, it's a Pentecostal stream. There's five Pentecostal streams in Australia, and we're one of them. And, um, you know, we have a great uh, just network of churches which we all are connected with. Uh, our church in Bendigo called Victory Church is a, is a very, very strong church. It's over, it's over 70 years old. And this church has got a school attached to it. There's over 400 kids that go to this school. And also, it's got a great church. They've got all new facilities. They've got a brand new facility like ours. I think theirs is about two years old. Uh, their pastor, due to, to sickness, has uh, resigned the church. And um, they've had to give him six months off. And so they've asked if we could, as a church, myself, primarily as the pastor of this church, could go and oversee that church with our national leader, Pastor Wayne Swift, for the next couple of months. That means that once a week, uh, I'm driving down to Bendigo and back uh, to be with their staff and just to give them some direction as they find the next structure of uh, their new senior pastor. So I just want you to be aware of that, and uh, it means that we're busy. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Can I just say this? I am still very, very accessible by mobile. Jan is my PA. Jan, why don't you stand just for a minute, Jan, so everybody can see you. This is my PA. Would you give her a big hand? Does a lot of work. 
And so if you do need to contact us, just go through Jan and she'll make sure that we you get an appointment or whatever you need. The other thing, just like uh, uh, this morning was mentioned that there's some exciting months ahead, uh, Hope Tour uh, is going to be a great, great event. James Ayton um, is a great ministry. You'll be blessed by him. Now, when we bring ministries like this, you, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Um, you're going to hear him and you're going to go, I wish I'd brought a friend. I wish I'd brought that person. So I'm going to preempt you, all right? Uh, make sure that when James is here, which is in a couple of weeks' time, that you do invite somebody to come, particularly people that need to hear hope. Uh, James has been through some traumatic experiences. Two months after he's married, his wife died. How many of you know that's traumatic? And to walk through that is not an easy thing. But the great thing about his ministry is that he brings hope. And I'd hate for you to miss out and think to yourself, I wish I'd brought this person. So in two weeks' time, uh, and by the way, you don't just have to bring uh, friends when James is here. You can bring them every Sunday, okay? And, uh, but particularly that weekend, for people that need hope, it'd be great. Also, in August, the Smiths are coming, um, and uh, Kimber and Matt Smith with their four children, they'll be sharing about their mission journey and how that's going and things like that. There is a change that has happened in their ministry. We're going to hear about that. They are an amazing couple. You're going to be just stirred uh, just hearing about, you know, where what God's doing in their heart. And then in September, we've got Mark Ritchie coming, who's an evangelist. He's also a comedian. And another great opportunity to just see people touched with the Word of God. And also history makers for our youth, which is going to be great at the end of September. So, how many of you know that's a great thing as we see the church just keep moving forward? Well, the world seems to be changing. It uh, looks like the UK has now exited uh, the Euro uh, segment, and so there's some challenges there. Uh, the, the America uh, is looking for a new president. We need to pray for America. Australia, we did our vote last night, well, yesterday, and it looks like we're going to have a hung parliament. So the world is, is changing, and particularly those nations that are connected to Australia. We really need to pray. Uh, thank God God is on the throne, and uh, you know, he's in control. But we need to pray for all the things that are happening. The world is changing. There's a changing landscape. I mean, England got beaten by Ireland in the soccer. Can you believe that? Uh, yeah, somebody's happy. And Italy apparently last night got beaten by Japan. So the world is definitely changing in all aspects. But we need to pray as um, these significant nations come under different governance and it, it will affect the way that we do life. So we really need to, as a church, and as churches really need to understand what God is doing. About three weeks ago, I started a message about building and blessing. How many of you remember that message? It was here about three weeks ago. And I talked about that God's heart is not just to bless, but his heart is to build. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a, a confession. I am hopeless with my hands. I'm a shocking builder. Anytime anything goes wrong in our house, doesn't matter how small it is, um, I have to call in the experts to come and fix it. It doesn't matter how small the job is. Like, for instance, at the moment, our bedroom handle to our bedroom uh, is broken. Uh, it's so bad that we, uh, we nearly locked ourselves in the other day, and my wife loved it. She loved the thought of, 
just spending all that time with me. Maybe another book would come out of that experience. But here's this little broken handle and any normal person would be able to get the screwdriver and, you know, and just, uh, you know, jig it and, and fix it. And so we got the, the broken handle to our bedroom. Then I, for some reason, lent on the towel rack in our, in our bathroom. And as I lent on it, it snapped off. But it didn't come completely off. It's just hanging. And, uh, you know, I tried. I, I went and I thought, look, surely I can fix this. So I went into our toolbox and I got all the different screws. I got 550 screws. Do you think there was not one of them that I could use to fix it? Apparently, you need some other sort of shifter to fix it. And so I'm thinking, great, that's really fantastic. And then, you know, anything that breaks, I just can't fix. When I was a young, young man, I had this bedroom lamp and it didn't work. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, it can't be that hard. And uh, so I, you know, dismantled it and I began to sort of see how it was all wired up. And there was this particular, see, I don't even know what they're called, but this particular wire and I was holding it and then I made the tragic mistake of picking up this other wire and before I knew it I was just shaking all over the place and uh, all of a sudden and and I couldn't let go and all of a sudden uh, something snapped and and I was able to let go my dad um, later you know about you know 15 minutes later he goes oh somebody's blown we've blown a fuse and uh, <laughs> the refrigerator went off and all other things. And so what happened is we called the electrician. He said, well, somebody's done something because your fuse just couldn't blow like that. Uh, somebody's done something in the house. And I'm just walking around going. <laughs> but I nearly electrocuted myself. So I'm hopeless. I am hopeless when it comes to building. And uh, so we've always got to bring someone in. But here's the funny thing. I have an incredible passion to see the church built. I might not be good with my hands, but I don't know, God has seemed to give me a passion to see the church built. Not just blessed, but built. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I started this theme that I always, my perception of God was that he was Father Christmas. That, you know, I just prayed and he would deliver and that he would um, answer my prayers and he was there just to bless me. And I realized that actually God wanted to build me because if I allowed myself to be built, I'd be blessed. How many of you know that? And that's the big difference that God is not actually Father Christmas, but he is a builder. He wants to build us personally and he wants to build his church. You know, we are not Christmas trees. We're supposed to be fruit trees. And God wants us to be people that actually produce fruit. I made the statement that, you know, the difference between a a person or a church that builds is you can you know give a person a fish and feed them for a day or you can teach them how to fish and feed them for a lifetime that is the heart of god god wants you to have authority and destiny and purpose for your own life and that's why god's nature is one to be built now i made this statement too and i'm just going over before i get into my next points is that most of my issues And crisis and problems that have come my way have been because of my own immaturity and my own insecurity. In other words, sometimes I am my own worst enemy. Because it's been my insecurity and my inability to address issues in my life that God wants to address because he wants to build me, he wants me to build mature. I find that most issues in families... 
most issues in church life is usually got to do with our immaturity and our insecurities. But if we allow God to build us, then what happens is the purpose and the authority and the destiny of our life comes to fruition and we can fulfill everything that God has for us. I gave us four scriptures to show us the nature of God and the purpose of God. Let me touch on them very quickly. The first one I gave was Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. If we can have that up on the screen. Jesus says, I will bless my church. Is that what he said? No, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God's nature is to build. The second scripture was uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. This is a scripture that uh, is given us to make us understand that God has given us five ministries to help build the church, but not just build it, to mature it. It says this, and he gave to some, he gave rather some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be, here's that word again, built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I went through some things, and we can put that next slide up, and just to say, okay, how are we tracking in the area of maturity? When we go through a, a crisis, do we respond or do we react? Do we, when we're going through change, do we adjust or do we get stuck in the past? When we get hurt, how many people have been hurt? It's part of life. Do you forgive or do you build resentment? When you're unjustly treated, uh, do you have grace or do you want revenge? Uh, if you're overlooked, do you trust God or do you get angry? When you feel unappreciated, do you look to God for your reward or do you feel you have entitlement? And this is just a bit of a template to say, how am I tracking in my spiritual walk? How am I tracking in my level of maturity? Because the devil doesn't really care how many times you come to church. He doesn't care if your attendance is always right and that you're here every Sunday. I tell you what the devil, one of the things the devil will try to do is keep you immature. Because if he can keep you immature and insecure, he will immobilize you from reaching the full potential that you have for God. But not just you, the whole church. And we want to be a church that actually builds his kingdom. To do that, we all have to come to a place of maturity. Here's the third scripture I spoke about, Matthew 28, 19 says this, this is all my introduction, so we're going to get there in a minute. 28.19 says this, therefore go and build, in other words, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We all have a responsibility as a church to actually build people, to build them into disciples. It's not just my responsibility, it's not just Charles's responsibility, but all of us, if we're true disciples of Christ, have a responsibility to disciple someone. You know, really, you know, the pattern of God is that someone mentors you and you mentor somebody else. And that actually is God's pattern. That pattern brings great multiplication to the kingdom. Here's the fourth thing. It says this, Matthew 7, 24 says, build your house on the rock. It's the story of, um, of well, actually it's a parable of Jesus giving this parable about people that build their house in the sand and people that build their house 
on a rock. In other words, we have a personal responsibility to build our own life. It is not my responsibility or somebody else's responsibility for your life. You have a personal responsibility to build your own life. But how many of you know that's hard to do? Because we all want somebody else to take responsibility, but a mature person takes responsibility of their own life. I made this comment that it's important to pastor yourself. Um, we all need help. There are some of you right now in this place that you need help. You need some pastoring. You need some care. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. There's sometimes that we all need help. Sometimes we do fall down. Sometimes we do go through crisis. And I tell you, there's nothing that can help you when you go through a crisis, when you go through a difficult time. There's nothing like somebody coming and grabbing you by the hand and lifting you up and helping you. But really, also the other side of it is there needs to be personal responsibility. You have a personal responsibility to pastor yourself. I have a personal responsibility to pastor myself. King David, when we read the Psalms, we see a man who actually knew how to pastor himself. Even though he was going through difficult times, uh, he understood that at the end of the day, he had to take personal responsibility. That is the sign of maturity. Now, we don't like sometimes to hear that, but that is the sign of a mature person. If you read Luke chapter 15, it tells us the story of the prodigal son. Now, do you know what? The reason he was a prodigal was because he refused to pastor himself. And the interesting thing about this is that when someone refuses to pastor themselves, no one can pastor them. I, I sometimes sit with people and I think to myself, how much more can I do to help this person? But I realize that Sometimes the problem is not that we're not trying to teach the principles. It's not that we're not trying to give them help. The fact is that there is something wrong in the, the, the understanding of that person that they refuse to deal with their own issues. And that's a huge thing to do. But the reality is that unless you pastor yourself, unless you take personal responsibility, no one can pastor you. Now, that's a hard call to make. But it's interesting because in Luke 15, the prodigal son, it says this, it says, when he came to his senses, when it came to his senses, then he realized the error of his ways. Then he decided, he repented. In other words, he did a, a, a 180, a 190, no, what was it? A one, what is it? What am I doing? A 180. He did a 180 and said, I will go back to my father and I'll go back as a servant. What happened? Something happened in his heart, something happened in his spirit that he realized that the, the problems he was facing was not all the circumstances, but actually was him who had created them. It, it talks about self-pastoring. And the prodigal son, when he had that revelation, he was able to enter back into uh, his father's care and his father's authority and also his father's inheritance. Thank God for a great father that accepted him back with no punishment at all. But the key here was that something happened to him. He came to the place of maturity. Have you ever seen people that sometimes struggle so much to handle issues? 
in their life and everybody seems to be the problem. Every, uh, every circumstance is a problem. This is wrong, this is wrong. And you know deep down that it's not the circumstances, it's not the, 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 the relationships, but rather it's what's internally happening in that person. And when that person takes responsibility, something changes. I've seen it time and time again. What happens is they take responsibility. It's a great sign of maturity and then people can start to walk in their destiny. I also talked about a book that I wanted you all to buy. It was called The Three Little Pigs because the story of The Three Little Pigs is a profound story because in this story, and you know the story, I'm not going to go through it, but in this story we realise that building your life because a house represents life, building your life takes time. We saw that two little pigs decided to build their house very quickly, one out of straw, one out of sticks, but there was one little pig who knew that there was a wolf, that there was somebody who could come and they could actually cause great crisis and great damage to their life. So what did he do? He built the house of bricks, layer upon layer. It took time. Friends, if you're going to build your life, then it takes time. It takes time. It takes layers and layers to build your life according to God's pattern. The second thing we learned, it's important to build with the right material. Some people just want to build their house of straw or their house of sticks. But let me tell you, you need to use the right material. What is the right material to use for your life? Here it is right here. The Word of God is the right material. The third thing we learnt was that crisis and trouble comes to everybody. Doesn't matter how holy you think you are. Doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. Doesn't matter how close to God you think you are. Trouble comes to everyone. Every one of us. I guarantee you that every one of you here have a story that you could tell us about the trouble that maybe you have gone through. Some of you are still in trouble. But this is what the Bible says, that doesn't matter if you go through a storm, that your life will not collapse. It not, will not be devastated if you've built on the rock Jesus Christ. And that's what's really important. Here's the last thing we learned, that we all need to help others in time of need. That, you know what, if you have, you know, the great thing about the third little pig was that when the two brothers... When their houses collapsed and, the, and the, the wolf was after them, the third little pig did not turn around and say, well, there you go. I told you. You used to tease me. I told you. I'm not going to let you in. You can, you can be devastated. That is not the heart of our church. That's not the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is if someone's life is in damage, we need to be people of restoration. We need to be people of hope. We need to be people that say, hey, listen, maybe you've had some hiccups. Maybe you've made some wrong decisions. Maybe you've had some failings. And let me tell you, we live in a society today where there has, people have got a lot of pain. Most of our community is in pain. If you've ever met anybody that's gone through divorce, anybody that's gone through relationship breakdown let me tell you those people need a lot of love those people need a lot of understanding sometimes we can point fingers sometimes we can say well you've made a mistake but I want to tell you God is a restoring God I want our church to be a church that's so open that our doors are always open that we won't you know begin to judge and say you know what well you know that's your mistake you didn't you know you didn't listen you didn't build properly and look at the devastation you're in well bad luck for you that's not the heart of our church the heart of our church is that our doors will always be open that our 
our doors will be a place, that this house, our heart, will be a place of restoration where we can see lives rebuilt, where we can re-educate people to see people's lives rebuilt. Do you agree with that? Is that the sort of church that you want? So now, let me get to part B of the message. Phew. Everybody take a deep breath. That was a long introduction. So years ago, I was really challenged with how we disciple people. I was challenged because I realized that the way I was discipling people and the way that I was trying to build people was incorrect. It was imbalanced. Now, I've been a Christian since I was five years old. At the age of 11, I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. My father was not, he did not become a Christian until 36 years later. My father was a great dad, but the only, the only thing my dad taught me uh, was how to be a good steward. My dad was really good with stewardship. He wasn't a rich man. He actually worked in Mitsubishi. He used to call it Mr. Bishi. He used to call, you know, he used to work in Mitsubishi for years and years and years, 25 years. And, you know, he, he had a tough job. It was a really tough job. And, and, you know, I remember going to see him one day, and, and I think I've told you the story, and I was so alarmed that this man, no wonder he would come home at night and he just wanted to be in his garden. He was locked in a prison. My dad was a great provider, but when it came to emotions and when it came to building my life in the spirit, my dad was vacant. He was absent. My mother got saved when I was five years old, and she gave me some spiritual guidance. And it was because of her prayers that, you know, I am where I am today. She was faithful to God. But really, I, I felt like the development of my life um, was very much imbalanced. And I grew up with a lot of emotional issues, which uh, has taken me a long time to work through. And so what happened about 10 years ago, because of some things that I had to walk through, I began to realize that the way as a pastor that I discipled people, that I built people, was wrong. Because the way I would build people, for instance, let me just take Jason and Kat, who are two of our young adults in our church. If I was discipling them, or if you take Charles and April, if I was discipling them, this is the way I would disciple them. I would try to have a look at what their spiritual gifts are, what their calling of God is upon their life. I would teach them how to maybe, um, you know, read the Word of God. I'd teach them how to pray. I would teach them how to, you know, release their spiritual gift. But how many of you know that we're body, soul, and spirit? How many of you know that just teaching somebody spiritual things is only one-dimensional? God actually wants to build us body, soul, and spirit. And I had to change the way that I mentored people. And so for the last 10 years, I, I have uh, biblically looked at how does God want to develop us? How does God actually want to build us? And so I teach this template or this pattern or this principle wherever I go. And the reason I want to share it with you this morning is because I would like this to become the template of our church. I would like this to become the template of how we disciple people and how we grow and develop people in the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, can I just have that scripture up? This is what it says. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, May your whole spirit, 
your soul and your body be kept blameless, in other words, whole and complete, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, God wants you to be mature and whole, not just in your spiritual being, but he wants you to be whole and mature physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm going to add a few more to those in a minute. The word salvation, the Greek word for salvation is sozo. And it means to be made whole, to be made complete. Not just your spirit, but your mind and your emotions to be made whole. Maturity in the New Testament, the picture it gives us, it gives us a picture of a child to an adult. It gives us this picture that one is fully grown, that there's nothing to be added. Could you imagine, uh, you know, that those of you who've got children, one of the great joys of having children is that you see them grow up. Uh, Yesterday, I was with my grandson. He's eight months old. He's the cutest little fella. He really is cute. And, uh, you know, his mother had to do everything for him. Do you know, she had to change his nappy. Uh, Michael got involved also. She, you know, had to feed him. He was dropping food all over the place. And for now, it's cute. But when River, my grandson, turns 25, if he's still throwing food all over the place, his mother is changing his nappy, Michael is tying his shoes. How many of you know we've got a problem? Because one of the joys of parenting is to see your kids go to the, to the bathroom by themselves. Isn't that right, Cliff? One of the joys of being a parent is seeing when they can eat by themselves. One of the joys of a parent is when they can tie their own shoelaces. One of the joys of a parent is when they can earn their own money. And they don't keep coming back home and asking for more. One of the joys of a parent is when you see your child make the right decisions. One of the joys of a parent is when they see their child with great authority, great influence, living a victorious life, living in destiny, living in purpose and living with responsibility. That's a great joy. The same is true for our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to build you. He knows that if, he, if you allow him to build you, you will be blessed. He knows that if you allow him to build you, you will enter into his purpose. You will enter into his promise. You know, this year our theme is, our theme is possessing his promises. Not our promises, but his promises. But to access his promises, then let me tell you, you need to be mature. He is not going to just give us purpose and destiny and authority if we can't carry that in our spirit. Now, how many of you know this church has got a purpose? God's got a destiny for it. And so we need to embrace and take a hold of the maturity that God has for us. So how do I mentor people? How do I... um, try and build and grow people. So let me give you this five template. Can we have it up? Here are five things that I ask people about. Whenever I sit down with Charles, who's the assistant minister, whenever I sit down with any of our ministries, whenever I sit down with people in our church and I talk about growth and development, 
I talk to them and I ask them these five questions. I ask myself these five questions because I believe it's God's template to help us to be balanced and to help us to really become mature. I have found that in the past, when I have mentored people just in their spiritual life, what happens is there's an imbalance and even though they have the gift and even though they have the ability to do spiritual things, many times they lack in other areas. We live in a society today that lacks fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers. In 1 Corinthians 4.15 it says this, even though we have 10,000 teachers, we lack fathers and we lack mothers. Spiritual fathers and mothers, people that genuinely care and can nurture us. Because of marriage breakdown, one in every two marriages break up in Australia. The impact of that is not just to that couple. It's the impact of generations. And that's why, let me tell you, that's a strategy from the enemy to try and break up covenant marriages because he knows the impact will not just be generational. It goes down to the third and fourth generation. Actually, if you want to see a healthy church and you want to see a church that has got great authority and has got great wholeness, the moment a church starts to get three or four generations of one family, that church starts to build pillars. And when that church has pillars, it becomes a church of great authority and great wholeness for its community. The best thing that you could do, this is the best thing, please hear me, the best thing that you can do, husbands and wives, the best thing you can do is to have a great marriage. It's the best thing you can do because your children, it'll affect your children and your grandchildren. We're starting to see in this church that some of the couples, some of the baby boomers are now becoming grandparents. Colin and Lynn are grandparents. They've got two beautiful little grandchildren. They're about to have their third. Lynn is very happy. She's already gone shopping. I bet you she has. And then we have a family that all of a sudden we see three generations. If they live long enough and the way they're going, they both look fit. You know, they're 80 years old. Look at them. They only look about 60. They look incredible. But if they live long enough, they could see four generations. But could you imagine if we saw three to four generations, how, how incredible would it be to come to church? How incredible would it be to see your grandchildren worshipping God? How incredible would it be when you know that your grandchildren and your, and your great-grandchildren are serving Jesus? That's what really builds community. You see, we talk a lot about building community, but what really builds community? I'll tell you, God's pattern is the family. There's so much attack on the family today. And one of the reasons that I believe that families break up today is because we don't grow people, we don't mature people, we don't nurture people the way God intended us to nurture them. And my heart in this church is to make sure that we actually build a template, a biblical template, a biblical pattern that we can actually educate and teach people and impart truth as spiritual fathers and mothers to the next generation to give them hope and to give them inheritance. How many of you want to be like that? I don't just want to have a church that we come on Sunday and we have a you know, clappy, happy little church. I want to have a church that actually builds lives, builds lives according to God's pattern. Do you know, if we just teach, 
Teachers are great, but really teachers inform and they impart knowledge. They appeal to the intellect. But fathers and mothers do way more than that. Fathers and mothers, they impart wisdom and insight. They build a future and an inheritance and leave a legacy because they deal with issues of the heart. Everything starts in your heart. Everything. And this, this generation, let me tell you, this generation so wants mums and dads. Do you know, I'm, I'm 56 years old and most of my time is spent... You know, I, I, I do like preaching, but I'll tell you where my real passion lies. My real passion lies with getting with young adults and young couples and sitting around a table and them just asking me questions about life, trying to help them, trying to tell them, hey, listen, don't do this because I made a mistake back there. Don't do this because you'll, you'll fall into error. My heart is to build people and I want that to be the heart of this church. Now, God has blessed us in this church because we've got some great mums and dads. We've got some incredible mums and dads. You know, I was just talking about Colin and Lynn Hendry. They're pillars in the house. We thank God for you. We thank God for Ross and Cheryl. Ross and Cheryl are pillars in this house. They're great mums and dads. They're generational people. They've got grandchildren in this church. John and Jan Graham, you're great mums and dads in the house. David and Julie Tryrod, Chris and Karen Jones. And I could talk about more and more and more. And the reason that God has brought these people, they're just not numbers in the church. They're not just database. They are mums and dads of this house. They are pillars in this house. And, and many of us, let me tell you, we are going to be blessed if the mums and dads of this house understand that their role is a mentoring role. See, the baby boomers, this age group is the baby boomers. I'm a baby boomer. Most baby boomers are still looking for their ministry. What's my ministry? What's, your, what's my ministry? What's my ministry? Can I tell you, baby boomers, let me tell you what our ministry is. It's to be mentors and fathers and mothers of the next generations. There are three, that went a bit quiet. How many of you want to see that happen? Let me tell you, the greatest things we can do is mentor. We've got three generations coming from beneath us, that help, they, they need our help. And if you're a builder, in other words, if you're, you're, you're a bit older than a baby boomer, let me tell you, you're the grandparents of this church. Joy and Mark, you are grandparents in this church. You're valued. Do you know how important it is? When I see you guys bring the kids that you do, you're like, you know, grandma and grandpa. You might, Mark's looking at me going, don't call me a grandfather. I don't want to be a grandfather. But you are, you're like grandparents. And you know what, let me say this, if we can build a proper template and we can build generationally how God wants us to build, we will build a mature church, a whole church, a whole that's, a, a, a people that are not broken. Do you know what, the devil, if he can keep you broken and he can keep you wounded and he can keep you hurt, he will stop you from growing up. Let me tell you, he has always got the devil's always got another strategy. Do you know why you've got to forgive? Do you know why you've got to forgive the person who's hurt you? Because you become the prisoner. Because you become the person that's wounded and that wound will stop you from growing up. And if that wound stops you from growing up and maturing, it stops you from having authority and purpose in the kingdom of God. 
How many of you are liking my message this morning? You, you liking this message? It's not a happy, clappy one, but it's an important one. Because let me say this, this church has a purpose. This church has a destiny. This church, I believe God has raised this church up with a mandate to become an apostolic house that will raise up ministries that will go beyond the borders of this community. And to do that, it means we need people, we need generational fathers and mothers who have an incredible passion to, to give themselves, to give on themselves. You know, I want to give everything I've got away. I want to get everything I've taught. I want to give it to these next three generations. I want to because I want them to succeed. I want them to be blessed. I want to build them so they'll be blessed. I want to build them so that they can enter into the full promises that God has for them. And it's so important that we do that. But the devil, if he can keep you, if he can keep you wounded and broken, he will stop you from growing up. And that's why, please hear my heart what I'm saying. It's not that I don't have compassion. It's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm trying to be insensitive. But please hear my heart. If you are wounded, then get some help. Please go and see a counsellor. If you can't forgive somebody, and sometimes forgiveness is a really hard thing. Sometimes we are so broken by the pain of life and the things that have happened that we do need help. And I know it takes time. I know it takes time. But please understand, if you stay in a broken state, you will not develop fully and you won't be able to access what God has for you. I better take a breath. Tell your neighbour, say, look, uh, uh, this is good preaching. Can you do that? Just to encourage me. Only two people said that, so that's great. So let me give you this template very quickly. So what do I do? When I, let me take Charles. So when I'm mentoring Charles or helping Charles... We sit down and I say, Charles, how are you going physically? I actually ask him. The great thing about Charles is, and I've got to really say this about this next gener- these generations that are following myself, they want to be mentored. Man, I was, when I was their age, I was looking for a spiritual dad. I was looking for someone to, to tell me straight. I was looking for someone to be honest with me. And today I find that, you know, people want to compliment you and they want to pat you on the back. But can I say this? I need some people to actually tell me some honest stuff. That's why I love Pastor Nicholas because Pastor Nicholas is one of the people that pastors me and he does challenge me. I just went away to Brisbane with him and, you know, some of the conversations we had weren't great. You know, he needs to be more sensitive. He needs to care a lot more, but he doesn't. You know, he just goes straight at it. He just, this is what he says, you know, I say something to, me, to him and he goes, you know, do you want to know what I think? I go, no, no, I don't want to know what you think. Because every time he, I, I say yes, he tells me what he thinks. He says it in love and then he pulls a stick out, do you know what I mean? I mean, please. But, you know, I sit down with Charles and I wanted a spiritual dad. I was crying out saying, God, can you help me? And so I asked Charles, physically, how are you going? How, how are you tracking? How's, now, Charles is good physically. You know, he, he exercises. He does everything that he, he needs to do. Then I ask him this other big question that he has a little bit more challenge with. I say, how's your emotional life? I actually sit him down and say, Charles, how's your emotional life? Now, how many of you know Charles has got a lot of passion? 
How you know he's just, you know, he's like the ever-ready battery, you know, 24-7. Uh, if he comes into the office and he's feeling a bit flat, I think something's wrong. And sometimes, you know, when he does come in flat, I just say to him, that's okay, you're recharging. Because if he doesn't get this area of his life right, he's not going to make it long term. It's like a runner who, who does this, you know, 100-meter sprint but can't finish the journey, can't do the, the marathon. And I'm trying to teach him how to be a marathon runner. I'm trying to teach him that in his leadership and the purpose that God has got for him, that he's got to be a marathon runner. So ask him, how are you going emotionally? I'm using Charles for two reasons. One is, that's what I do with him. And secondly, he's not here. You could don't go telling him stuff, all right? You must probably get the podcast. So what's your emotions consist of? Well, here, three things very quickly. Your emotions are made up of your mind, your feelings, and your will. Very powerful. If you think wrong and you feel wrong, how do you think you're going to act? You're going to act wrong. Why? Because your will is subject to your thinking and your feelings. Your thinking and your feelings are so strong that they will subject your will to act a way that you don't even want it to act. They are very, very powerful. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, to renew your mind every year. Is that what it says? To renew your mind monthly. No, it says renew your mind on a daily basis. Why is that? Because you know that there's so much junk that is thrown at your mind and your thoughts that your mind needs to be renewed every single day. Every single day you need to renew your mind. You know, there are thoughts that sometimes happen during the day and doubt and fear starts to come and, you know, I have to make a decision to go, God, am I going to think the way the world is telling, telling me? Am I going to conform to the pattern of this world or am I going to conform to the pattern of this book? What am I going to do? And so I have to renew my mind. My feelings deceive me. My, my feelings, what they do is if I let my life be run by my feelings, mate, some days I would never get out of bed. And neither would you. Some of you this morning were thinking, you know what? This, this bed's really warm. <laughs> this bed's great. I think I'm going to stay in bed. And it would have been a good thought. But aren't you glad you're here to listen to me? Just, you know, just let you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm slapping you around this morning. And I, I don't mean to try to help us to, to keep growing. See, our will is so strong as strong as it is, as strong as it is, we become subject to our thoughts and our feelings. So I talk to Charles and I say to Charles, Charles, how is your emotional life going? How are you going in this area? Because if you don't grow in this area, you can be really good on a platform. You can maybe preach really well, but let me tell you, that is an indicator that you're not going to make the long journey. Here's the third thing, spiritually. I talk to people, if we go back to that last slide, I talk to pe people about their spiritual life. I am concerned. I do talk to them about how is their intimacy with God? Uh, how, is their, how is their ability to connect with God through the Word and through the Spirit? Uh, how, how's their ability to understand the purpose and the call that God has got for them? Every one of us has got a call and a purpose that God's got for us. 
So those things, where is your identity based? You know, because if it's based in your emotional life and it's wrong, you need to know that it's based in who God created you. But here's the fourth thing I talk to them about, is their relational life. I talked to, to Charles and I said, Charles, how are your relationships? Here's the most important relationship, the one you've got with God. And in that relationship is with your wife and your children. Do you know, I was, I was basically taught, and I, and I regret this, I really regret it. I grew up in a family where only my mum and I were Christians. And my my. You know, my, my immediate family, my cousins and my uncles and aunties, they never went to church. And they would hold some family, um, some family events on a Sunday. And mum and I would always say, well, mum would always say, no, we're not coming to those events. We're only coming, we've got to go to church and we're not coming to those events. And I remember my cousin one day coming up to me and pleading with me. She was an unchurched person. She was unsaved. And she said to me, every time we put on an event, I think it was her, one of her children's birthdays, she so wanted me there. And she said to me, you know, please come, please, can't you just, and it wasn't even a Sunday morning, it was a Sunday night service that I was going to miss. And she said to me, please, can you just come, just for this once, could you not go to church, could you please come to this event? And I said, no, God comes first. The truth is, if I really understood what I was saying, is God... (laughs) is encompassed in everything. And she said this to me. She said, if that's what your church is like and that's what your God is like, then I don't think I really want to know him. Because her, she equated God to family and relationship. And I think I did a disservice to them because I think I misunderstood the heart of God. That's why in this church, Does church, coming to church, need to be a priority? Absolutely. It's God's pattern. It says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. That's what it says. Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Why is that? It's because this is our spiritual family. But let me make this very, very clear. That if you have a family event on, especially with unchurched family people, you need to go and celebrate with them. Because God will honour that just as he honours you coming to this house. How many of you understand what I'm saying this morning? Because I believe that we've got an imbalance and we've had an imbalance over the past and we've caused pain towards those that love us and it's not a good testimony. Now, don't go using every Sunday that, you know, Pastor, I've got a family thing on this week. The family event is just, you know, I've got a pastor myself, you know what I mean? I've, I've got to go and celebrate my birthday, you know, 52 weekends of the year. That's not what I'm talking about. But capture the heart of what I'm saying. Because so many people have been wounded in family relationships. I think my dad was like that. I think one of the reasons my dad didn't get it, and he would we'd be in conflict because everything became about this community of the church instead of understanding the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. If you think that God is up there going, who oh, is Mr. Sunday, and where is he? He's, with, he's, he's celebrating with his unchurched family. If you think he's marking an X against your name, you're wrong. Because God is all about family. 
Do you know, I have had, I have had people that are unchurched that aren't even family. And they've have said to me, please come to certain events. And, and I've gone because you know what? I've gone because I want to honour God, but because I want to reach out to them. And so there was imbalances and the church has had to rebalance. Are, are you all okay with this? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing my heart? Uh, I'm not trying to just teach you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to speak out of a father's heart. You know, one of the things my wife did really, really well, and I, and I unfortunately regret this too, that, you know, nearly every event that my kids did, um, I was traveling somewhere. I was away somewhere. And as a good wife, she used to video their event, and we used to sit down and watch it. Now I'm going to say something that is very honest. I wish I could have my time again. I wish that when it was my son's birthday, poor David, every time it was his birthday, I was somewhere. I think I did something wrong. I was out trying to save the world and I was giving a message to my kids. I don't think that's God's pattern. Now, I know the Bible is very clear on certain things. He talk, it talks about, you know, there's sacrifice and sometimes... There are conflicts that because of the gospel come. I understand all that because there is a reality of tension of truth. It's, it's the paradox of truth, that every truth has another side to it. That's how we get the balance of truth. It's like a coin. On one side of the coin, there's the, the, the picture of the, the authority of the coin. The other side is the value. You can't just do one side with truth. You've got to see the balance of it. You've got to see the, 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 the paradox of truth. It's very, very important. So there is sometimes conflict that's caused because you are a Christian in your family. I understand that. But I think we need to build the right pattern that God wants us to build. And so I talk to Charles about his relationships, and I say, Charles, relationships about growing. That's why every school holiday, he gets first pick. I will work around his schedule because his three children are just as important to me as he is. His three children are just as important to him getting up here and preaching on a Sunday as them having their father as much as they can get him. Can you hear what I'm saying? Because we're about building relationships. We're about a people that are connected because the kingdom of God is relational. And if we don't, if we have a proper relationship with, do you know God loves spending time with you? Do you think it works like this, that you've come here today, you're an hour and a half listening to me, and that's your God time? Work that out. God so longs to spend time with you. Actually, his secrets of, of his heart is, is when you spend time with him. That's why create moments in your life outside your Sunday world to just reflect. You know, I, I, I had to drive up to Bendigo a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. And I've enjoyed it. And I'll tell you why I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it because I've been able to put on some worship music. And I've just spent time with God. I've been able to put on some, some preaching and I've been able to hear God's word and God speak to me. 
Why? Because God is relational. He so wants to build relationship with you. You know, wives, you know, well, I'm only talking by my experience. My wife just wants to have me around all the time. She just longs to be with me. How many of you believe that? Don't look at Meredith because she's shaking her head. But isn't that, what, isn't that what marriage is about? Isn't that what relationships is about? God wants us to have relational health. And I've had to learn because my relational connection was so low that I've had to relearn how to put that back in its right place. I look at my, and isn't it funny, they always say this, they say when you get grandkids, it's like a different, you you see things differently. Boy, is that true. I mean, I think my grandson's perfect. I was with him yesterday and I was just, and I just thought to myself, what an incredible joy. What an incredible joy. And why is it that we lose those those realities of truth as we go? Here's the last one and we're going to close. Number five, financially. Do you know that God has given us the responsibility of stewardship. Um, We talk about money, and sometimes we don't like talking about money. But we have, God has given us the ability to create wealth. And it's not just for ourselves. But let me give you the imbalance, even in church life. In church life, we've always taught, you've got to sow, and that's a lot what we hear. You've got to sow. And you know what? I believe in giving. I believe in sowing. But the Bible also talks about spending and it talks about saving. You talk to this young generation today because they, you know, they want it now. You know, we, we look at ourselves now and we, we, we thank God for the blessing upon our life and we thank God for my father's great ability to, to create wealth and to give generational wealth. Dan, can I just have you come up? And we're living in, in, you know, and one day I'll tell you the story of my grandfather who was a generational thinker. It's because of my grandfather today that we are blessed financially. But my father taught me some great stewardship about money. My grandfather was a great giver. He was a great giver. He believed in sowing. He believed that when you sow, and it's not just because you reap, but when you sow, something happens to your own heart. But we need to teach people how to spend and how to save. Joseph, Joseph gives us a principle that we could all learn from, that there are some lean years. There are famines. Our national debt today as Australians is shocking. The pressure that now is on this country and most of the political decisions that have been made are economical. What a shame. Because we just want more and more and more. But we need to teach the generations that are coming behind me anyway. We need to teach them what's good debt and what's bad debt. We need to teach them how to save. Because some of them will have a desire and a purpose that God will put in their heart to do short missions trips. Next year, I would love some of our young adults to go on short missions trips. I'm going to prophesy it right now. Is that all right? One of the great things that Sunday Code could do is to send some couples overseas. And I believe you'll do that. And I I don't want to raise up an offering. I would love them to go, you know what? I'm going to save. I'm going to have money in my silo so I can draw from 
so I can fulfill the purpose of God. Do you know how many people can't fulfill the purpose of God because they're financially and resourcefully they can't do because they haven't saved? I've made this comment in the early days of this church and I'm going to make it again. I will not stay as senior pastor of this church just to get a wage. I'll tell you that now. When my day's done, my day will be done. It is not your responsibility to take care of me financially. It's my responsibility to make sure that I also save and that I use wisdom. Because there's too many pastors today that pastor churches, not because of the call of God, but because they need finances. Now that's a pretty hard call to make and I know there's all sorts of balances but I don't want to be like that. I don't want to lead like that. I want to be here behind this platform because God's called me here. Because He has said, hey, you need to be here. When my time's done, you won't need to get my resignation. I'll resign at the right time. Believe me. I've never been like that. and I refuse to be. Because I believe God's purpose is not one that's limited by finances, but it has got to do with stewardship. And I also want to teach our young people how to spend properly. What is good debt? What is bad debt? I believe if we can have this template, I believe we're going to raise healthy, mature, young men and women, ministries, that have a balanced understanding of the Word of God, that have purpose and have direction and have authority to access the promises that God has for them. Once you stand to your feet. Now I know that this morning's message hasn't been one of great inspiration. Well, hopefully it has. Once you put your hands out in front of you just for a moment and Don't you, I, I don't know where you're at in your growth and your maturity. I don't know where you're at in allowing God to address those areas of your life of growth. But I, I really, I, I just know the mandate. I know the purpose on this house. I know that God, God's purpose for this house is to be an apostolic house. It's to be a house that goes, that its influence goes beyond its borders, beyond this city, even beyond this nation. One day, I believe that this church will even raise up ministries that will serve overseas. I believe that the call on this house is one that will have great impact right throughout the nation that young men and young women will be trained in the house of God and that, that will be, they will be leaders, not just followers, but they will be leaders. And Father, today in Jesus' name, I just thank you right now. Lord, as, as you're taking us on this journey of growth, as we go into these next stages and levels of, of what you have for our house, for this church, I pray give us wisdom, give us insight, we thank you for the fathers, the mothers, the pillars. We thank you for the grandparents. We thank you for those that have gone before us. We thank you for those that are setting great examples to us. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit and through your Word, that we will grow and develop into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
and amen. Just be seated just for two seconds. Thank you so much. Last week, we took up our missions offering. Um, and it was to go towards our Hope Tour. Um, this has been birthed out of Charles's heart. And uh, I'm so thrilled because I want, um, you know, I want vision to, to lead this house. And I know this has been birthed of God. Now, last week we took up an offering. Some people weren't here. We're going to do it again this week. If you've already given, that's fine. Uh, but if you haven't and you'd like to contribute, uh, this money will go totally towards Hope, Hope Tour. It's not, it doesn't come into our church. It'll go totally towards reaching uh, and going into school. So if you need a credit card slip, if you just lift your hand up very, very quickly, someone will get to you. If not, that's fine. Uh, we, will, we will just pass the bucket in it. So if you haven't come prepared but would like to give, then you can do that online. You can do that during the week also. So let's pray and let's pray for, for Charles. Let's pray for his team. It's two weeks down the track. He's going to be fairly busy, uh, but we want God's hand and his presence to be on it. Father, we pray for Hope Tour. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that this was birthed out of your heart. As we give this morning, Father, we pray that you would multiply. You would multiply. We thank you that there's already been people that are not even church that have contributed, Lord, to this cause. Father, we pray for Charles in April. We pray for the family, Lord, that, Lord, as in two weeks' time comes, that, Lord, you would just protect them, that, Lord, you would uh, just let them know that your hand of grace is upon them. We also pray, Lord, for James as he comes. Lord, he's planting a church. He's, he's coming in a busy, busy time. But we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and give him just strength and just give him wisdom into every school he goes to, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Fantastic. If we could just pass the buckets down. Jay, could you just come and grab this for me and put it in? That would be great. In a couple of weeks' time on a Friday night, this place will be full of young people and uh, we're going to see God do some great things. So stand to your feet as we do... We're going to do one last thing. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for what happens in this room. Uh, on the Friday night at the end of Hope Tour, there'll be a youth rally here. Come on, let's just lift our hands and let's just pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your voice and just begin to pray and just begin to see young people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Just begin to see people just come and their open hearts. Father, we pray that this place would be full of young people. That, Lord, you would see that, Lord, hearts, broken, broken lives and people that have been broken and people that have been, Lord, just lost hope. This is the hope tour. We pray that hope would come into hearts, that hearts would be open. That, Lord, just an anointing of your Holy Spirit would come and set people free. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day today. Give somebody a hug and say, hey, you're looking great. Go grab a cup of coffee and we will see you during the week or next week. God bless you. In the Savior.
Yeah. 